When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's my show. You might be mocking me or you might be staunchly agreeing with me. I can't tell. I'm mocking you. And the Bulldog. What is Fozzie Bear's role in this production? On WGR Sports Radio 550. Always a great uh, treat to reconnect with Aaron Schatz, FTN Fantasy, formerly Football Outsiders, votes on awards, longtime uh, NFL writer, a pioneer in terms of analytics, and has been on our show many times. Aaron, welcome back. How's Vegas? Vegas is weird. You have to wind your way through a ton of slot machines to get from one hotel to the next where the media is staying at the Luxor compared to where the media center is at the Mandalay Bay, even though they're right next to each other. <laughs> yes. Uh, and have you gotten, lo- have you gotten lost? lost? Like, do you think you know the way, but now lost. you don't? <laughs> Got a little lost, but I think at this point I mostly know how to get from one place to the other. Let's see if I can get anywhere else over the next few days. <laughs> Well, before we get to, I want to talk, of course, Bills with you and then this game. Just, um, if you don't mind, because maybe you get questions like this all the time, and I don't know if you find them sort of trite or whatnot, but being a, a pioneer in football analytics, all, all the time, more conversation. And, and this year with what happened to the Lions, it seemed everybody had a take on just where we're at, what should happen. If you would, what is your summation of where the league is in this department slow and steady progress i mean are are there are there steps back what do you think no i think slow and steady progress and i think that there are some old school people who question that but the progress is slow and steady and i think people need to stop using the phrase take the points because a 48 yard field goal is not an easy point Right. The biggest thing about the discussion of Dan Campbell's decisions was sort of a lack of understanding of Michael Badgley's history and just how long those field goals were. They were not 25 yards. They were like 46 and 48. Those are not the easiest field goals in the world. 
Yeah, an- another that that certainly is a is a point that needs to be made over and over again. Another thing I think we we all heard a lot of after that game was, oh, it's fine if you want to do that in October against the Bears, but in the bigger game you should be, you know, you should you should well take the points. And I don't know, I I, I think it's, if I were a, a Lions game, fan, yeah. that would have made me mad. Like, be who you yeah. are, and and like sort of do it the way that you did it all year regardless of what stage you're on what that statement says is if you find a way to play that you think wins you more games you should stop doing it in the playoffs so you don't win more games which is a ridiculous statement and i also go with you they dance with the one that brung them right they they've been playing that way all year what alex anzalone wrote something in the players tribune yesterday he doesn't care a whit about analytics, but for him, that's just that's how the Lions play, and they were sticking with it. Do you see either a next step or just maybe a continuation of this, this uh, as you put it, progress coming up here in the, in the year or years to come, Aaron? I, I think it's interesting and I think good, you know, being like-minded with you uh, in, in this kind of thing. That it's Dan Campbell who is not, you know, he sort of, he looks the part of a guy that maybe you would have assumed when he got hired would not be this coach. So um, I think that's a good thing for the movement, if you will uh, allow the term. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I don't think there's a big next step. I think it's gradual. You'll see a continuation of, of, of coaches getting a little bit more aggressive on fourth downs. You'll see a continuation of coaches beginning to do the thing more where uh, if you're down eight, you go for two instead of going for one. You'll see more analytics people hired in front offices, and you'll see a little bit of analytics thoughts in uh, draft picks being made. And you may not even know that certain draft picks are driven by analytics because, you know, teams are not very talkative about what their analytics say about why you should draft certain players. So I think it's just all going to be very gradual. The big leap forward was 2018. After the Eagles won the Super Bowl, that's when the big leap forward was. Now it's just gradual. Yeah. I, you mentioned the going for two down eight thing. And I feel like and maybe, and maybe you know, you've, you've been paying closer attention to this over you know, many seasons. I feel like this was the year where that became sort of mainstreamed. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely. Tennessee. Yeah. If if Tennessee doesn't do it in the game, the night game against the Dolphins, I mean they they I can't I don't know if I can say probably lose, but they became the yeah. first team maybe ever to win from fourteen down in regulation, which they were able to do because they didn't need a third possession. They went for two after the, after the first touchdown. Like if if they kick the point, maybe the Bills are a wild card team. I mean, just like yeah. huge huge game. Yeah, it was, and they did the right thing, and it, they did exactly what you're supposed to. I mean, listen, the win probability difference on this is not high because getting two touchdowns in a row late in the game without letting the other team score is not likely. <laughs> but the fact is that if you are in the position where that's what you need to do, going for two after the first touchdown is very clearly going to lead to more wins, particularly more wins in regulation. With Aaron Schatz from Las Vegas, Mike Schoep and the Bulldog here on WGR. In terms of the Bills, fourth down stuff wasn't that prominent in our discussions, at least as I think of it now. 
uh, this year. What was Aaron? And I think you and I, or the three of us, may have talked about this as the season was playing out. Is how the Bills went so run heavy in in the the late part of the season. And I guess you'd have to say, and I say this with a little bit of a cringed expression, that it worked because yeah. they, you know, they they won out there late in the regular season. What did you think of how they shifted when they changed coordinators? Like, was it necessary in your opinion? How how successful? And then also, you know, we wonder about the future and whether they're going to keep their offensive coordinator, what their designs on next year might be. I know that Bills fans find this very tough to believe, and I've argued with them online in my DMs and such. The offense was worse under Joe Barry than it was under Ken Dorsey. Not, not a lot worse, like a tiny bit, but it was not better. The um, defense was so much better at that point in the year. So I don't have the number in front of me, unfortunately, but if you look at the average start of an offensive drive, like in the, the Barry period, the offense started its average drive something like six yards closer to the end zone than during the Dorsey period because the defense was playing so much better that the offense just got better field position. And if you look at the efficiency, the offense wasn't actually better, you know, it, that, than it was in the first half of the year, but it was a little bit different because they threw up the middle more and they ran the ball more and James Cook had a very – good year and I would expect for them to continue to play in more that style next year yeah um if if I can I'm not sure how ready to go you'd be on the, the end of their last game but their last drive there in the playoff game against Kansas City very dramatic it took a lot of time off the clock they're down three at the two minute warning and they come out it's two passes to the end zone and this was really the biggest conversation I would say we had Aaron after the season ended is about those two plays as it happens on the second down play second and nine bulldog yep. I think yeah second and uh, nine. yeah you have Diggs just alone underneath and Allen waits it out has Shakir gets hit incomplete I felt that Kansas City's nightmare scenario was the Bills getting another first down using more of the clock and potentially winning the game in regulation uh, any thoughts? I don't mind Allen going for the touchdown on the second down. If he doesn't get hit, that is a touchdown. And, yes, they leave some time on the clock, but they've scored the touchdown. They've gone ahead. My problem is the third down just seemed really discombobulated, and he ran out of the pocket, and he kept having to throw it away. And I feel like they should have had someone better underneath to get four or five yards closer for yeah. that field goal on the third down. It's the third down that I really have the problem with. Yeah, he, I, th- I thought looking at that, I haven't looked at it in a while now, but in, in you know, in the immediate aftermath of the game, I thought he bailed out of a pretty a, a, a pocket that didn't need to be bailed out of. And there were yeah. guys on the left of the formation that were available, I think, in, in, you know, in the play Brady called there that would have maybe done what you suggest, but Allen bails out, and then those guys on the left are just, they're dead. He's rolling to his right, and there's no way he's going over there. I'm not the best person at remembering specifics of plays, but what you are describing sounds certainly fits my memories. But yeah, Yeah. and that, and I, you know, again, I don't mind him going for it all on the second down because if he doesn't get hit, it should work. Yeah. 
And I think you could understand why we'd remember it really well. <laughs> right? Because it's like the, it's the last offensive play know. of know. their season. You know, Aaron, what do we do about it? Like Kansas City is there again. And we've talked so many times about what it means to lose the close ones. And the Bills have beaten the Chiefs three years in a row on the road in the regular season. But small consolation. Is it just a matter of, you know, nose to the grindstone again this year and see what happens? Yeah, with the problem that the salary cap is not looking very friendly to the Bills because right. of a lot of salaries that jump next year. I mean, I, I've i said that I think this year was sort of the last year of the window of the first window, right? Because Josh Allen's career will have multiple windows. But I wouldn't be surprised if they need a year or two to sort of retrench. And they may actually win the AFC East <laughs> anyway, even retrenching. And you never know, right? Like you get to the playoffs and things might go the right way. And there are a lot of teams in history whose best regular seasons and the seasons they won a championship are different seasons, right? Yeah. So that's possible. But I just, like, I can't imagine the Bills being a top-five team next year given the salary cap changes that they're going to have to make. They may still be a division champion, and maybe they'll make some noise in the playoffs, and they still have Allen, but uh, I have a feeling. And and I'm still a McDermott fan. I think McDermott is a good coach. But I just, I think there's going to be a step back because of the salary cap, and they're going to have to get rid of some guys and some defensive depth. I think the best thing for them for next year is if they're magically super healthy on defense, they could have another really good year. But if they have normal injuries, I have a feeling the salary cap problems are going to really hurt their defensive depth. Yeah, that retrenching. I mean, Kansas City, the the book on last year's Super Bowl Chiefs was that was a year that they kind of did that, and they still won anyway, so who knows? Right, but then on the other hand, you have like New Orleans – New Orleans had the first freeze period, right, where they won a Super Bowl. And then they had a couple of years of going seven and nine. And then they had the second freeze period where they had all kinds of horrible random things happen to the playoffs. So they never went to the Super Bowl, but they were like awesome every year because they had one really good draft and they cleared some of their salary cap problems. Now they have salary cap problems again, but you get the basic idea, right? Like Josh Allen's career is long enough that even if the Bills take a step back, there's a step forward to be taken in a year or two to get back to, you know, being one of the top teams. Yeah, those Saints could have won. They could have won the year that Diggs beat them with the Minneapolis Miracle. Miracle, and, and then there was the DPI. There was right. the Rams DPI. Yep. Right, right. I should know the DVOAs in your presence, but the Colts went undefeated late into the year and went out. The Patriots literally went undefeated the entire season. These are years where those teams did not win uh, right. championships, so maybe they would count too. With yeah, Aaron right. Schatz. Thanks, Aaron. Um, this game, I, I think it's been interesting that San Francisco is the favorite for as many people, and it just seems like everybody wants to tell you, how do you bet against Mahomes at this point, winning as an underdog in the last two games and his record as an underdog, but San Francisco's still the favorite here. Would it be right to assume that, you know, DVOA-wise, sort of the underlying metrics of these two teams that San Francisco is clearly better? Yes, if you look at the regular season plus the playoffs instead of just the playoffs. And that's what the odds makers see, and that's why the odds makers have made San Francisco the favorite. I'll tell you the vibe here. If you talk to everyone here and ask them who they thought was going to win and use that to determine who the favorite was, it would be Kansas City. 
there's no question that the majority of the press is just waiting for Mahomes to be crowned, that he's inevitable, that their defense is much better than people, you know, than it's been in past years, which is it's their defense is good, but by DVOA, it's about the same as their defense in 2019, which was also good. Um, and I think everybody's just waiting for San Francisco to lose, even though the numbers from the regular season would suggest that the 49ers are the better team and, you know, the odds makers see them. Is is Purdy being sort of a complicated analysis part of that, too, that, you know, Mahomes has already proven what he's proven and there's so much back and forth on how good Purdy is? Maybe it's Maybe we're more comfortable with the idea, assuming we're not rooting for one team or the other, that the, the, the Chiefs win the game. Yeah, and I think that everybody's waiting. Purdy's had good luck, especially over the last couple of weeks. Like, he had six interception-worthy throws by our charting in the two playoff games, and only one of them was actually intercepted, whereas Mahomes had zero interception-worthy throws over three playoff games. So I, there's a sense, I think, where people are waiting for, for Purdy to make the mistake that the other team holds on to. And a belief that the Chiefs are going to hold on to that mistake. I don't know if the Chiefs are more likely to hold on to that mistake than any other team, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, there is a sense that Purdy will make, will make the mistake and that despite having all the great players. The other thing, by the way, is the way Shanahan's offense works, it really requires everybody to play their role. If anybody gets injured in this game, they're in trouble. Because, like, Samuel really has to be Samuel, and Ayuk has to be Ayuk, and McCaffrey has to be McCaffrey. And if they have to replace one of those guys with one of their backups, it's, it's going to be a problem. Is there any one or, or a few even, like, matchups here, like what, how the Chiefs like to do what they do and how the Niners like to do what they do on either side of the ball that, that stands out above the rest as, like, an advantage in this game for one side? San Francisco running the ball, especially with outside zone, especially to the left side. You've got to figure San Francisco is going to run the ball a lot, and McCaffrey, the yards should be there. The Chiefs were bad on run defense this year. They just were. They were bad. And their yards should be there for McCaffrey if they run the ball. This makes the, I I guess, by what you're saying and the sound of your voice, the Ravens – tactics more baffling than like so many said so frustrating yes frustrating so frustrating yeah um all right Aaron it's awards night by the way uh I know you have votes like Lamar Jackson obviously the the big favorite there anything from what you're hearing people if you are hearing anything what you you know you're hearing people are assuming will happen tonight uh anything against the grain for you like what might what the voters might get wrong or anything of that sort? No, um, a lot of the scuttlebutt that I've heard about awards balloting is a lot what you would expect for it to be. Um, and I, I've got a little article talking a little bit about my picks that I'll probably put up tomorrow morning. But, um, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about my who I voted for, but all the scuttlebutt I've heard from, like, my friend who's, who's one of the people who actually computes the totals is that it's um, is that it's a lot of who you'll expect, and that they're they're thinking of introducing a most improved player award mm-hmm. in future years to sort of make it easier to understand who the comeback player of the year is supposed to be. Right. Because there's a sense in the in the NFL where sometimes most improved player becomes most comeback best comeback player because there is no most improved player award the way the NBA has. 
Makes sense. I mean, Gino last year was a was an interesting one because uh, we had a caller who said, "Well, what is he coming back from? Actually, like, was he ever good? Was he injured? Like, what is the what is right. explain this comeback to me? <laughs> who, who would who would most improved be Baker? Yeah, probably Baker. Probably Baker would be most improved, I would think. Or or Flacco. I mean, if you think about it, Flacco mm-hmm. came back from his couch, but he also improved from being really bad with the Jets. Right. But I would think Baker – I think if there was a most improved player award this year that Baker Mayfield would get it. Yeah. Very good. Well, Aaron, uh, best of luck to you. Hope you enjoy the game. I'm sure you will. What um, What's ahead for you? Maybe maybe here's a chance you could promote something or talk about what we could look forward to from you in the coming months. I mean, you know, we've got the Super Bowl preview up right now at ftnfantasy.com slash DVOA. And, you know, we'll do some offseason uh, content. Uh, we already have 2020 for subscribers. We already have 2024 fantasy projections and best ball projections and stuff. Uh, the big thing for me is going to be publishing 1979 and 1980 numbers. All right. Which is just, I have oh, a lot baby. of fun going back in time. I love going back in time. It's a lot of fun. And then working on the book. And then after that, we work on the book. We'll do another book for next year for the preseason. The 1979 Super Bowl champion Steelers had 58 turnovers or 60 turnovers, including playoffs. They were very, very plus eight. Good. Yeah, they were. They, uh, they must have been. How do you have. I don't think it's hiding anything to say. Uh, to say yes, 1979, right. the number one team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. But how do you have 60 turnovers and roll? <laughs> you got to be really good. <laughs> that's that's how. That was really good. The turnover numbers in those years just baffle me. Like, what are we doing? The fumbles. Fumbles. Oh, my God. So many more fumbles in the 80s than you have now. That's the big Why? My God. (laughs) I I honestly do not know the answer. I do not know the answer to that question. It's hilarious. I mean, I can't believe those stats. You have teams now that just never turn the ball over. And Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, that year they were 14-2, and I think. They had a game with nine. They had a game with eight. I mean, 52 in 16 games is crazy. I know. I was looking at some of the games. Ken Stabler played for the Oilers that year and had like two straight games with five interceptions in each. In 80, yes. I can't wait to to read it. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Great to talk to you again. All right, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Aaron Schatz, FTN Fantasy at A Schatz NFL. Take your calls here, 803-0550. What's on your mind about this game, uh, the Bills offseason, and more? I want to talk food, Bulldog, if you uh, will mm. allow here coming up. Get I'm some food questions and takes. Yeah. We will have Sal with us. That'll be at 6 today, talking about some assistant coach hires by the Bills and the Super Bowl with Sal as well. Mike Schoep and the Bulldog here. This is WGR. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.